Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. So very quickly, in a few minutes, I want to share with you on the Holy Spirit. We continue our teaching series on the Holy Spirit. You know, I said this in the first service. I said one of the hallmarks of religion is this. Religion gets you to major on the minor and minor on the major. A typical example is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, when he rebuked the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he says, this is what you emphasize and you have neglected weightier matters. And that's what religion does. An obsession with trivialities. And someone says, what does this have to do with what we're discussing this morning? It has everything to do with it. Because years ago, when I looked at the array of teachings on the Holy Spirit, the smuggish board of all of them, I realized something. I realized that we had said everything except what really needed to be said. It's just like someone asking, oh, oh, can you tell me about a phone? I've been hearing about a phone. Maybe the person lives in a village, never heard a phone, um, never handled a phone, never had a phone. And you say, oh, that stuff can be addictive. And you say, oh, tell me something else. Well, some of them can be so expensive. Now, what you said is true, but you have not said the most important thing. If someone wants to know about phones, what you ought to have said is that it aids communication. It's a technology for communication. Do you understand what I just said? So you saw teachings on the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What's the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Oh, he's a comforter. Oh, your relationship just ended? Your boyfriend just jilted you? The Holy Spirit is there for you. He will comfort you. He will pamper you. You know, and stuff like that. And mind you, the Holy Spirit helps us in our down times. But if that is the crux of the understanding of the Holy Spirit, then that's pettiness. Say the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he will bring to your remembrance. As you're preparing for these exams, whatever you read, he will remind you. What a job. That's what you think the ministry of the Holy Spirit is for. For expo. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's the counselor. You got two jobs. You don't know which one to pick. He's the counselor. He will counsel you. Nothing wrong with that. We've taught on the leading of the Spirit. He does lead. He does comfort. He does guide, even though the context is slightly different from, you know, the popular interpretation given to it. But what is the predominant, primary ministry of the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible teach about the Holy Spirit? Especially his ministry in the believer. Not just on, but in. We're going to talk about that in this month if we have the time. Hallelujah. Listen, you have to understand the difference between 
the influence of the Spirit and the inner working of the Spirit. They're two different things. The Spirit of God can impact on things. When the Spirit of God comes on a donkey, a donkey can't talk. I'm talking from history. A donkey can't talk. The Holy Spirit can touch mantles and mantles begin to work miracles. But it's a different thing when we're talking about the Holy Spirit in a believer. What is the advantage of that? You have to understand. And so years ago, I'm reading Acts chapter 10, and I see what transpired in Cornelius' house. Peter had a weird theology. He thought that only the Jews could be saved, could be born again. He had this superiority complex. He was only in Cornelius' house because he dreamt about it a couple of times. And the Lord asked him to go. So he just, he just thought he was just going to inform Cornelius about the good stuff in his life and walk away. But then he declared the gospel to Cornelius. And Cornelius heard and believed. And the Bible says, while he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the words. Peter left that place that day with a new conviction. And this is this. God is no respecter of persons. Anyone that will believe in him, Jew, Gentile, Greek, or free, uh, bond or free, child or adults, rich or poor, everyone who believe in him will be saved. And what informed that ideology? Because of the Holy Spirit. He knew that he could not say that God had not accepted Cornelius if Cornelius had the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what that means? So now, just like a clothing line has a brand, it means the Holy Spirit is God's brand of acceptance. Anybody you see with the Holy Spirit belongs to God. Praise the Lord. So if you see an Apple product, the logo on it is legitimate. Everything is legitimate. You have no reason to doubt that that product is a product from Apple as a company. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now, that's the significance of the Holy Spirit. He's the seal of God. God's seal of approval. And I was wondering, why didn't anyone tell me this? He's my confidence that I belong to the Lord. Also, I stumbled on Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. Where he says he will take away the stony heart out of my flesh. This is a pre-redemptive promise. He said, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Give you a heart of flesh. Put my spirit within you. Cause you to walk in my statutes. You will keep my judgments and do them. So we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit as a regulator, a governor, helping me to walk in a manner that is consistent with the will of the Father. There's a theological term for it. It's called sanctification. Nobody ever really itemized it for me that way. If you have the Holy Spirit, it means you're saved. It means you have a new heart. The old body of sin is destroyed. You can walk in a manner consistent with the nature of God. And then the third one we're about to talk about today. 
very crucial, very important. It's going to bless you in no small way. Are you ready? The title of this sermon is Jetpack. I don't know if you saw any movie when you were young of a jetpack that helped people fly. And we just want to use that to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a believer. Jetpack doesn't really cut it, but I, I wanted to do something with your mind, give you something to think about. Look at Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 11. I learned this text when I was 14, 14 or 15. Are you there? Read together, one, two, go. You need to read better than that. Read together, one, two, go. raised Jesus from the dead by the agency of the Holy Spirit. Oh, now that's big. That's big. That's big. So we see the Holy Spirit as a quickening force. He's more than a force. He's a person. All right. But, but he has that quickening effect. That reviving effect. And I'm not talking about the revival where the word of God is spreading and prevailing. I mean the actual meaning of revival, the dead coming back to life kind of stuff. That's the effect, the influence, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He was the agent by which Jesus was raised back to life. And I look at the events that transpired and led Jesus to the cross. And it makes me recognize and appreciate that power. Listen, the power we're talking about is no small power at all. Thinking about Gethsemane, Jesus in that garden. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. He knew the cross was not going to be any small business. So he was having a severe case of anxiety. And he was praying, if it is possible... Let this cup pass over me. Someone is like, Jesus, faced with that, trust me, if you were going to face what he faced, you would have felt what he felt. And as he began to pray, something happened. There's, there's a medical name for it. It is called hematidrosis. The Bible says his sweat became like droplets of blood. It's a case of anxiety. Where chemicals begin to find their ways into your sweat pores and begin to break the capillaries. And blood droplets begin to show up there. That's how serious it was. He knew what he was going to face. But you know what? That condition made him even more vulnerable. Because it makes your skin softer. Why is it when you were going to be flogged the next day that your skin had such a condition? So it made him even more susceptible to the scourging of the Roman army. Are you with me today? 
Now, the day comes. He's tied to a dwarf stake, back facing several soldiers, all of them with whips, not just ordinary whips. At the tip of the whips, there were metal, small metal balls. So, and, and of course, there were small spikes too. So every time they swung at him, it would go round about him, deep into his flesh, and when they pulled back, it came off with some flesh. And the balls would hit his flesh, you know, it was scourging. Historically, when the Romans are done beating someone's back like that, sometimes you will see the spine, you will see the person's spine, because the flesh is exposed. Many people died before they got to the crucifixion. At the flogging, they died. I'm saying this because, you know, when you hear Jesus was flogged, you think of your secondary school. Uh, put your hand there. Bah, bah, bah. You know, I told you one day. I prepared for the teacher. The, the man was too weakened. So I caught one of my jean trousers <laughs> and wore it under. When he flogged me, he had boo. He was shocked. He started laughing. He said, go, go, go. I said, you think we are here to play. But you have to understand, Jesus was first ripped of all his apparel. We're talking about bare back. Hallelujah. Someone, tried, someone says, oh, he was flogged this many times, this many times. Many times it was more than that. Angry teachers don't count. You know what I'm saying? Talk less of Roman soldiers. Hallelujah. It was serious what he went through. By the time they were done flogging, much of his blood was already gone. And now he was faced with another risk. There is, there is another condition, you know, where, you know, you've lost so much blood, the heart is still trying to pump blood that is not there. And so... You have a shock experience. I'm not a doctor, but the attempts for all these things. You have a shock experience, you know. So he literally passed out as he was carrying that cross. They tapped him up again, got someone to carry the cross. Eventually got to Golgotha. The vertical stake was just there, already in the ground. The horizontal beam was on the floor. They placed him on it drove six or seven inches of nails into his wrists. You have to understand, there is a particular vein, a very, the biggest vein in the body, passes through the wrist. And so, what we're talking about here is so painful. All right? Someone described it this way. Has it ever happened to you, you were walking and you hit your elbow in some way? You, it's called funny bone. And it hurts you. It, it, it's because there's a vein there. Now, the biggest vein is on the, on, on the wrist. Now, they nailed that place. What you felt, just by hitting it with a tap, nail was driven right through it. You have to understand, the process of execution called crucifixion is so terrible that they coined an English word from it. 
The English word excruciating, when you're talking about pain that is not bearable, came from crucifixion, excruciating. Oh, there are movies that have tried to depict you know, what Jesus went through. All of them still underestimated it. Drove the nails into his wrist. Now he's hoisted up vertically. Trying to manage the weight of his body. Because of the pressure on his diaphragm to breathe properly, he must raise himself up. As he's trying to raise himself up, the back that is already injured is scratching the vertical, um, the vertical stake behind him. Hurting him even more. The hole in his legs are getting wider because, you know, he's moving. But he has to do it to breathe. He raises himself, catches some breath, goes down. Raises himself, catches some breath, goes down. As if that was not enough, the crown of thorns placed on his core. A spear thrust by his side. And you mean to tell me that three days later, that man was seen walking fine, healthy, not needing of any urgent medical attention, greeting people, eating with them, and saying, celebrating, saying, all hail, all hail, all hail. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit here. Dead raising power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The wounds were left, but just for a witness. The pain was gone. Thomas could touch it because there was no pain. Three days after, nine inch or six inch injury. You said, touch it. Put your hands. Hallelujah. We're talking the power of the Holy Spirit here. And not just that. I mean, we've seen the power of God several times. God had raised many people to life before Jesus. Even Jesus himself raised the dead a couple of times. But Jesus, you have to understand, was raised never to die again. So after he was raised, for about 40 days, you know, he was with his disciples, teaching them and admonishing them. And then on the final day, in the presence of all the disciples, he began to levitate. And he was received up into the clouds, a human being with a human body. Today he is 2,033 years old. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I've told you, you know, an investigative journalist said the claims for the resurrection are so compelling that they can be presented in modern day court. You don't have to be there to know it was true. Even factually. Why did the Roman soldiers abandon the tomb? They were put there to guard the tomb. To make sure Nobody came in without approval. Nobody came out without approval. If they left without a fight, something drastic happened. Are you listening to me? They went out and reported 
that the disciples stole Jesus' body. We're talking about fishermen. Fishermen overpowered you. What weapons did they use? Interesting thing, the soldiers never even claimed that they had any fights. So they stole Jesus' body. But there is no hole found in the tomb. Jesus went out through the entrance. What kind of theft is that? What were you doing? You slept off and the stone was rolled away. The interesting thing is, oh, are you with me today? The Bible says Jesus, that Peter, when he entered the tomb, he saw the cloth that Jesus was buried with. He saw it folded and believed. Because he knew Jesus did not leave this place in a hurry. If he was trying to escape the Roman soldiers, nobody is trying to escape, you know, and says, hold on, he's not that meticulous. He says, hold on, let me fold this cloth. Are you with me? He checked out with confidence, with ease. Hallelujah. There is only one story that adds up. The Bible says exactly three days later, <laughs> there was a light emanating from inside. It kept getting brighter. It kept getting brighter. All of a sudden, an angel came from heaven, rolled away the stone and sat on it. The angel was so intimidating, the soldiers did not even try. So they ran away. Hallelujah. He was raised to life by the Spirit of God. Now, this changes everything. We have a confidence no other religion has. There's a saying in Yoruba, if someone offers you a shirt, look at the one he's wearing. What right does any other religion have to convince us that their view on eternity is the correct view. Hallelujah. What right do they have? All their prophets died. All the people that said all those nice things about eternity, they died. Praise the Lord. But we have a Messiah who offers us something that has happened to him. There's a Greek word for it. It's called archigos. He, he has become first fruit, first begotten of the dead. God has made him to be a prototype. That as God raised him from the dead, he will raise up everyone who believes in him. Now that's assurance. And this is a connection that you must see. You know, when we were growing up, we just heard, oh, God raised Jesus from the dead and we're happy. Oh, those wicked Jews, they killed him. But God is powerful. He raised Jesus from the dead. You say, oh, God was so kind. The father was so kind to the son by raising him from the dead. You don't see that God was actually demonstrating his power in your own life by raising Jesus from the dead. And let me just put it to you this way. The fundamental the theology about eternal life hangs on the resurrection of Jesus. The fundamental theology on eternity hangs on the fact of the resurrection of Jesus. 
because he was raised. That becomes the hope of all humanity. So we're going to do a very brief Bible study. Time is fast spent. And we're just going to connect these dots and then move on from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. This will bless you. The song the choir sang was so special. So, one of the best songs I've ever heard. A song about resurrection. Caterpillar to butterfly. Hey, hey. It'll be like a metamorphosis. Are you with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. If you're there, say, uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. <laughs> read together. One, two, go. You have to read with some more enthusiasm. Come on, one, two, go. Wow. You see that? The resurrection of Jesus was not an exclusive once and for all, I mean, once in a lifetime occurrence. He uses the word both. He associates what God did with Jesus with what God would do with us. He said, and God had both raised up the Lord and will also, can you say also? also. Raise up us by his own power. This is the theology about eternity. He did it to Jesus, he would do it to me. Glory to God. That's your assurance. Oh, Jesus was fully human. And he rose from the dead. I'll never die. He knows the way. So you say, okay, he was raised back to life. He never died. And I ask you a simple question. Was he an angel? You say, no. Was he a spirit? You say, no. A human being was raised never to die again. Oh, eternity is not a myth. It's a real experience. Hallelujah. This technology is tested and proven. Someone has been thriving on eternal life for 2,033 years. How long does a prototype need to be tested for you to believe in it? This is for real. You can live forever. I mean, like literally, in one billion years from now, you can know me, and I can know you, and we can fellowship with joy and with, you know, rejoicing forever. Hallelujah. Death is only a tragedy if you don't have this information. Paul said death has lost its sting. This is, this is a technology. This is like a scientist saying, I found a cure for death. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He says he delivered them who all their life were subject to the fear of death. That's what he has done. This is the good news that we talk, talk about. Whosoever believes in him will not die, but live forever. You don't have to die. That's the gospel. Say loud, amen. amen. Ha, 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 ha. Not just by your side gently say you don't have to die. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Second Corinthians four fourteen. Second Corinthians four fourteen. Are you there? I like this one. It keeps getting better. Read for me. One, two, go. I love this. I love this. I've, I like the fact that it starts with knowing. He's talking about an assurance here. This is common knowledge for us. This is our hope. This is our assurance. It says knowing that. He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus. So Jesus, hey, come on. He will raise us also. How? By Jesus. So Jesus is not just, oh, he wants in a lifetime experience. Oh, God raised someone back to life. He has become a prototype, a technology by that same spirit. He will raise up all who believe in him. He will raise me also by Jesus. So now, the fact of the resurrection of Jesus has become the assurance of all mankind. That's what I'm trying to help you see. Praise the name of the Lord. You see these thoughts repeated again and again. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.14. First Thessalonians 4.14. Hallelujah. Are you there? This is good stuff. I don't know what gets you excited in the word of God. Maybe my saying, next week you're going to get a lot of money. I, I don't know what gets you excited. This is the best news in the world. First Thessalonians 4.14. Read together one, two, go. I like this one because it lets you know the implication of believing that Jesus was raised back to life. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, Meaning you can't separate the ideology. As surely as Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Say loud, amen. amen. This is the plan of God. Not just to raise a man, but to raise mankind, a new type of humanity. No wonder he's called the second Adam. As in the first Adam, all die. In the second Adam, all will be made alive. Say loud, amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is good news. Two more texts. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Paul is preaching to people who don't believe in eternal life. How is he going to persuade them? What's he going to say? Well, he says this. He said, because he has appointed a day 
in which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man which he had ordained. And they're like, come on, come off it. How do you know? He's going to judge the world. Fantasy stuff. By that man he has ordained. But then he says this. Whereof he had given assurance unto all men in that he raised him from the dead. So the resurrection of Jesus from the dead did what to all humanity? Gave assurance. That's God's final word about the existence of eternity. We can't doubt anymore. There is a man who is 2,033 years old. What's more? His eyes are not dim. His bones are not weak. He doesn't need to be helped around. We're talking about endless life here. Endless life. Endless life. It's a possibility for you. You see, we preach healing and all of that, but God offers more. He offers a new body. One that can never grow old, can never get tired, will never need sleep, will never need food to be sustained. If you are eating, if you are eating it's just for enjoyment, for fun. Hallelujah. That food is not sustained. That body, I beg your pardon, is not sustained by food. It's sustained by glory. Hallelujah. This is real stuff I'm talking about. <laughs> he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised Jesus from the dead. Now to the major text. If anyone preaches on this topic and doesn't mention 1 Corinthians 15, <laughs> he didn't even start. So go with me now, 1 Corinthians 15. I wish I could read the whole thing to you. Praise the Lord. From verse 12, it says, For if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Everybody read verse 12 together, one to go. I mean, look at the connection. If Christ was raised from the dead, there is resurrection. Not just for him, for everybody. Says, Are you guys connecting properly? If Christ was raised, everybody can be raised. It's that simple. This is the divine technology. Hallelujah. It's as if Christ be preached that he was raised from the dead. Why would anyone say there is no resurrection from the dead? He says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? Hi, yeah, yeah. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, we are found to be false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised up not, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Do you understand that? So we're saying you can't hold between the two opinions. You can't believe Jesus was raised from the dead and not expect actively that same resurrection by the same power, by the same agency. This is what faith in Jesus entails. This is why he came. This is what he represents, the second Adam, God's covenant man. He came to bring us into eternity, to usher us, usher us into this quality of life. 
He is second Adam. Let's see if I can read some more. The whole chapter is so good. I'm going to try to control myself and not read the whole thing to you. Are you with me? Look at verse 22. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's start from 21. <laughs> okay, let's start from 20. This is good, too good. You all read the whole chapter when you get home, okay? It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits, prototype of them that slept. So meaning his resurrection wasn't just for him. It made resurrection possible. He has become the first fruits of them that slept. For sins by, by man came death. By man came also resurrection from the dead. Say loud, amen. amen. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all be made alive. But every man in his order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Say loud, amen. amen. A lot of people got carried away in Jesus' earthly ministry. They saw a lot of wonderful stuff he did. They refused to listen to the things that he emphasized. You see, Jesus did a lot of great miracles. But there was one miracle that stood out. The moment he did that miracle, the Jews couldn't take it anymore. They knew they had to kill him. His fame was too much for them to handle. They were jealous. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, his ministry went global. The Bible says the Greeks came to look for him. Those were the intellects of, the, of that day. They came to look for him. His fame spread abroad. Even Lazarus became a celebrity. The guy that was dead. Four days and he's back to life. People were hailing him on the road. Using him as a specimen. Touching his eye. It's true. Ha. Ah. Pressing his hands. You can imagine all kind of weird stuff. People were coming to look for Jesus and for Lazarus. But I mean, what will you expect? Look at the way he raised the man. With so much confidence, with so much swag. It was his own burial. Lazarus' burial. And people were still crying and he just came. He said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? Take away the stone. So like by now, he'll be stinking. And he just calls the man's name. Lazarus! Come here! Comfort will not have caught it for you because it's old King James language. You won't relate. In modern day language, he simply said, come here. You're calling a dead man? And just before the people around could laugh, they started hearing noise. And someone came out. Imagine you were there. Imagine what happened. Moments ago, people were crying. Lazarus is gone. Now they are screaming. Ah. <laughs> Imagine what the newspapers read. Imagine what the television station said. There was no other news. No other news was worthy. Everybody was screaming. But now... They didn't pay attention to the real thing he said. 
Let's look at the real information that day. John chapter 12. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Did I say chapter 12? Chapter 11. Are you in church today? Verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. What an introduction. Hey, not I can raise your brother. I am resurrection. Not your brother is coming back to life. I am the resurrection. I am the life. See what he said next. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So he's letting them know, listen, what I'm about to do is actually small. You think it's cool that I raise someone, to, I'm about to raise someone who has been dead for days? A time is going to come. At a blast of my trumpet, I will raise billions at the same time. And some of them might have been gone for thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of years. Hallelujah. They might have died. Their spirit left their body, went to heaven. But at the trump of God, there is going to be a new celestial body. And your spirit will be reunited to that new body. And you will live forever. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter any deficiency in your body right now. It will be corrected. Hallelujah. He said, I'm the resurrection. Oh, you think it's great that I raised Lazarus? Don't you understand? I'm just using this to show you. This is the tip of the iceberg. I am the resurrection and the life. On that day, there will be a mass resurrection. Graves will shake. Hallelujah. Graves will give up people. Hallelujah. And those who are alive will be changed. It says mortality will be swallowed up by immortality. Say death has lost its sting. So the person we are talking about could call a dead man by name. Called him once and said, come here. You, you have to understand this. So when he comes, he's going to call you by name. He said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. <laughs> it doesn't matter how long you were sleeping. When he calls you, you say, sir, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm here, sir. <laughs> Woo! This is our hope. This is our assurance. Now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Hallelujah. But when he comes, hey, 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 we shall see him as he is. We will be like him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So now the question is, how is this going to happen? Go back to where we started. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Thank you, Jesus. Are you there? Read it as loud as you can. One, two, go.
Read it again and personalize it. One to go. So just, just imagine, this is like a discovery on eternity. We found the answer. Oh, you thought people couldn't live forever? We found the answer. There is a way. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. So the question now is, well, well, where is that spirit? How are we going to get that spirit? What do we have to do to have that spirit? You say... So now you say, well, are you born again? You say, yes. You have that spirit. So you mean the Holy Spirit I have is the same Holy Spirit Jesus had? Yes. It was by that same spirit that Jesus was raised. Oh, the spirit is already at work in me. Meaning the technology for the rapture is already inside me. Listen, when the time comes, the technology is not going to be exerted from outside. The button, the mechanism is already within. It's going to be an internal transformation that will show on the outside. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Already inside me. The Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. We've seen even in the Old Testament that the influence of the spirit does not end even when someone dies. Elisha died, the anointing was still on his body. When they placed a dead body, the dead body jacked back to life. That means when you die, the activity of the Holy Spirit can still be there. Just waiting for that voice of God. <laughs> and the moment God says, Kule! Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. He just takes you up. Hallelujah. Glory to God! This is the best news. The best news in the world. I'll never die. Because the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. He shall quicken, vitalize, revive, immortalize my body by the same spirit, by the same agent, by the same technology, by the same spirit that dwells in me. Oh, thank you, Lord. So now, just think of how ridiculous it is that some people have the Holy Spirit and still aren't sure if they're going to make heaven. He has given you, listen, the flight to take you there is already inside. The agent is already there. Hallelujah. That's your assurance. That's your assurance. What kind of pilots will be in a plane full of gasoline, with people in the tar, ready to direct him, and still be unsure. A trained pilot, oh, will I get to the destination? Oh, you, you know, when you hear that, you know he's a learner. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm saying the pilot is inside you. The jetpack is inside you. So that gives you what I call assurance of resurrection. It's as if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus. Oh, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. The spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Oh, he's not there for nothing. Thank God for all the nice stuff you have heard he does. He comforts and he counsels and all of that. I'm talking about dead raising power. 
life-giving power. It says the first Adam was a living soul. But the second Adam is a vivifying spirit. Hallelujah. There is power in you that can raise the dead. When you die, nobody needs to lay hand on you. At the trump of God, something in you will raise you up. Hallelujah. Give him praise right now. Just thank him. And begin to make that post in him. I have the life of God in me. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.